This podcast comes with a warning, as the content inside contains strong language and it will ultimately make you want to get absolutely off your tits. Whoa, what was that? That wasn't me or you, Sarah Tabar. No, it wasn't. Good spot. Was that the sound of Larry? Have we finally found Larry? It could be, but no, that is the voice of Danny Whitehead, a.k.a. DJ Danny Vito. Mm. So Danny's our guest today to discuss all things festivals, clubbing, and why it brings most of us so much happiness. So Danny's known for DJing some of our most loved club nights, including one of my favourites, Propaganda. And he's also the creator of House Mix series, paradise loops but alongside all this danny's also worked at some of the uk's best festivals from park life to isle of wight and he's even dj'd glastonbury so i think we're in for a big discussion here so we're gonna find out if larry is the kind of bloke that's gonna be wearing multi-colored hot pants and have those silent disco headphones on and be running around the field going "Mm, mm, mm, call on me (laughs) call on me (laughs) exactly (laughs) i guess there's only one question is larry a raver on with the show. Danny Whitehead, welcome to Who's Larry podcast. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much for having me on today. It's a, it's a pleasure to be joining you. Thank you so much for coming. I feel like we're, we're taking Larry for a rave today. We're going to find out if Larry is a party animal. We're going to get into the, the nitty and the gritty of it all. I truly believe he is a party animal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to agree. I mean, I think the best place to start with this, which I think me and Jack have talked a bit about in our previous episodes, but we've never had like a you know, proper festival pro on. <laughs> and I'd say you kind of come under that category. So you've DJed at festivals, you've worked as artist liaison at festivals, you go to them as well, just as a punter. Yes. Um, what is it that you love about festivals and like, why'd they bring you happiness? Oh, goodness me. Where where do you start? I mean, like... <laughs> I know, it's a big question. The, 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 yeah, I mean, it's probably the biggest question of all, right? I mean, festivals are to me the mo- one of the most incredible things you could ever go to in your life, mainly because every single one of your inhibitions goes completely away. So you can go there, you can be your own person, you can do whatever you want, you can be whoever you want, and you can see whatever you want. Like There's so many different things, and you can go and see at a festival and hear, and it's just an incredible thing to be a part of. And each festival is different, which makes it even better. So... Most people get the opportunity to do like one or two festivals a year and that is their like one moment to be whoever they want to be. Go wild. <laughs> yeah, go absolutely wild, you know, get get off their face or, you know, or just be or, or just be with your family. Like you can do whatever you want to do and I don't know, it's just something that's so special and so so I think it's like quite romantic in a way as well. It's just because it doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. Like, I mean, you can't have that same sort of connection or vibe as you do in a festival it doesn't relate it doesn't transfer anywhere else Mm. so yeah i mean it's one of the greatest things ever (laughs) it's it's one of those you kind of lose your individuality for what however long you're there that weekend and you're just kind of a a face in the crowd so i don't know if it's something like it's obviously the crowd atmosphere definitely plays it but like that crowd mentality where you're like we are together we are a tribe we're kind of like that's why you're at your peak happiness because nothing can defeat you you're surrounded by thousands of people that are kind of on your side yeah i completely agree like there's loads of people in your corner like you can you can do anything that you can fall over and there'll be someone before your mates even find you that will pick you up and help you and then give you a can of beer and you neck it and then you you know you just trot on and it's just like that was a, its own unique festival moment and that's just one of those little tiny things that just make it so special because you are because you are a part of a family yeah, yeah. when i'm working festivals we call ourselves a festival family like 
there's something so beautiful again, which is separate to going there, that we are just all one huge family and we all love each other and we all work for each other and we'll do anything for each other. We'll die for each other. You know, we'll, there's so many different aspects, especially to working, that just really make it a beautiful moment as well because you just work in tireless hours. So you've just got to be there for one another. So how come, obviously, you continue to go and work and work at them and you, you love them. What is it about working at them and, like, I imagine, because I've kind of been on, on both sides, I've been in the crowd and I've kind of been backstage at festivals and gigs before and stuff like that. Now, there's something, there's a huge atmosphere when you're out front, obviously, because you're waiting for the music or there's an incredible band playing and stuff like that. What is it about the buzz backstage? Why is why is that such a like a great place to be in kind of, in your words? What, what do you think? I um, Well, one thing I got told, which stuck with me, I was working uh, one of my first uh, events and festivals doing out of Saison, um, and it was a tour manager, I can't remember his name now, which really, really annoys me actually, for Duke Jamont, and um, it was for Duke Jamont in uh, Bugged Out Weekend Day in Southport in 2014, I think it was, and um, I, I was just talking about developing my artist liaison career, working backstage and things like that, and he, the, the thing that he said to me, which has stuck for me forever since and will forever more stick with me he said you are so unique and privileged to be in this position and be in this room and you should really take it for granted and work hard on it because you are one of the lucky few people that are in this room you're in the room you're in the backstage room you're in the dressing room think of the thousands of thousands of people out there in the whole entire world that wants to be sat next to all of these artists number one artists and you you you're in that room and I was just like, I was just in shock. I was like, that's the most beautiful thing anybody's ever said to me. And I was mm-hmm. like, I am in the room. I am in the room. And I still didn't feel like at the time that I was like really, really a part of something. And then retrospectively, when you get told that and you're like, wow, I am part of this, this whole movement, this whole backstage thing, it's, it just kind of makes it extra special. And it does give it that sense that like nobody can touch it. You can't buy that. That is a money can't buy experience. yes. You can buy VIP experiences. Yeah, you go meet Britney Spears. You go like that. Sometimes you can't even touch them. You have a little pitch taken. Can't even touch her. Yeah, yeah. You just like stood there like that. You're like, no, that's not. That is that is a money buy can buy experience. But getting into that backstage, into that dressing room, meeting all your favorite artists you could ever possibly meet, and people you've never even heard of, and then become friends. Like I know people, and I've got friends that I've met in those situations, and they're friends for life. And because one thing that really, really helps aid that kind of situation, well, is that you're on the same frame of mind. So you're all there for one reason, and that's to a have a bloody good time. So <laughs> it's just something so beautiful about it. I think for someone who like doesn't know what artist liaison work is, can you kind of explain what that is and what kind of what you would do on a daily basis at a festival? When you're working in that role yeah of course so like artist liaison essentially is just um babysitting artists uh, <laughs> in, in, in the simplest sense pouring the tequila well yeah to a certain extent yeah as long as you pour yourself one then yeah i'll do it yeah <laughs> it's um yeah it's, it's a beautiful thing so artist liaison is essentially is like a hospitality manager for a festival on site as well as there's loads of different aspects and loads of different roles that kind of come into it like, um, you know, from transportation to and from uh, airports or, you know, to and from hotels. So we are in charge of looking after them from the moment they step onto the site to the moment they leave. So we do everything from looking after their on-site transport as well. So I'm getting them from A to B, from site to the dressing room and vice versa to looking after their hospitality. So 
um, their riders, which is obviously something everybody loves to talk about as, a, as an artist rider. It's like, ooh, what's what's on their artist rider? And, yeah. Yeah, there's just so many different things that you can get. And it's... Um... Go on, you've got to talk us through some of the... <laughs> you hear the stories about, like, the just a bowl of blue M&Ms. Have you heard that story? Like, where they'd just be like... I've like heard rock... of that story, but I've, ne- I've never seen... It's never come across to me before, but... So um... I think it was like a rock band. It was like um, Red Hot Chili Peppers or, so- or like Metallica or someone like that always used to order yeah. a bowl of blue M&Ms. But the reason they said it, that it wasn't because they were divas. They were saying, we want to make sure that you're paying attention to the rider. Exactly. So you've got that specific kind of, do you know what I mean? Your head's screwed on because if it's not screwed on with that, then maybe the lights aren't going to be right or, do you know what I mean? So I was like, all oh, right, okay, you're not just being divas. You're kind of, there's a bit of a moral to the story. Yeah, I actually totally agree with you. That is probably, in my opinion, the reason why they do that as well. And I've, I've known and seen that before. Like putting festival cards uh, for the local town and football shirts from the local town, you know, spending fifty five pounds on a Berry FC shirt or something <laughs> like that, and it's just like, right, okay, then I've got to go out my way and you know and do that. But yeah, there's there's been some mental times. I remember C Six Steve's once said, um, he said, oh, uh, do you want a shower? And he said, no, the smell is all part of the experience. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't shower, so it's it's all part of the the you know the live experience. Not that many people can get to him, obviously, because he's on a stage. That but doesn't surprise me that he doesn't shower. <laughs> of all people, C sixteen yeah. as well. Yeah, he very much fits that bill. Yeah, I mean one of the, one of the, one of the fun things I've had before, which I got to be slightly a part of, was at a part light festival in I think it was like two thousand sixteen. We had um, we had Ice Cube on uh, on the main stage, and there's like a massive team it was. And like on his ride, he was like, I want 20 buckets of KFC delivered to the dressing room as soon as, as soon as I'm off the stage, he wants fresh hot chicken. And I was like, that is a request. And I would have that on my rider. If I could have that, if I had that on my riders, I'd be happy as Larry. (laughs) So (laughs) That's it, all it takes is a couple of bargain buckets. So yeah, I mean like, but the fact it was 20, because obviously I had his huge team with him and all that. And then he left one bucket, and he was like, "You guys can have that." So we all had a bag. We all like we all mixed a bag in bucket. It's like that's a beautiful little moment that we had. That ice cube passed as a bucket of chicken. So it wasn't yeah. all for him. He wasn't planning on having twenty buckets all to himself. He was actually. Oh no, 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 no! As much as people want to take that out of context, yeah. yeah obviously, you, you get you get these international touring acts. I mean, he's just one rapper, but he has like four dancers with him, along with along with his tour manager, his driver, you know, his sound engineer. Um, is stage monitors you know there's so many different people that come onto these tours you can get in excess of 20 people so you know a bucket per person that's also too much already so <laughs> yeah <I know. laughs> yeah we uh, we managed to get a few chicken wings at the end of it which i was very happy with always a good day always happy as larry a couple of free chicken yeah wings. exactly exactly <laughs> and uh danny obviously you, you're a dj as well so you like dj in clubs and festivals so like what is it about the audience reaction that brings you a level of happiness and kind of what's the difference between just club nights and the festival kind of buzz there isn't a huge amount of difference but then there is it's kind of hard to differentiate to be honest with you it's just an incredible feeling so the most important thing for me about DJ and it's not about me for starters it's about the people on the dance floor they're not there to see me and if they are great but if they're not (laughs) doesn't really matter they're here to listen to good music and thankfully, I'm in a very, very privileged position to be able to provide that. So it doesn't matter what kind of set I'm playing, whether it's house, you know, a house music set or, um, you know, disco or I'm playing uh, an indie rock and roll night. And, you know, 
one of the best songs that everybody loves to hear, which I think is massively overplayed, and I try not to play it now because it's just absolutely overdone. But Mr. Brightside, I mean, come on, who who can <laughs> who doesn't love Mr. Brightside? And it's, it's you know, it's still in the charts. It's one of the only songs really? that's been in the top one hundred since it's been. I know, released. yeah, I saw that. That just happened recently as well. Like it took over someone else. I can't remember who Mental. it was now. But as much as I'm sick to death of playing it, like if I do play these indie nights or you know, like a throwback night kind of thing, and I play that song, it goes. 99% of that crowd just have the time of their lives with it. For those three and a half minutes, it's literally that one moment which could potentially be a moment in time that stands, you know, stays with them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, yeah. Because that is the beauty of DJing is that, like, especially, I've, I kind of love doing both sides. So, like, I prefer to play house music because there's a lot more kind of artistry to it in my in my opinion mm -hmm. like um like yeah. actual mixing songs as opposed to just playing you know pop music or uh, band music or whatever so and if i get a reaction from playing like a you know really good house record or a classic house record or something like i mean like this is a crossover song which is beautiful because i've played this quite a lot recently but like janet jackson together again <laughs> oh my days so i was i was playing at night tales the first monday they were reopened right that the whole country reopened and i had the privilege of playing that first night back and it was sold out and we were playing really good solid house music all the way night and i was like right towards the end we're gonna crank it up a bit get a bit of cheese out you know kind of that crossover stuff that kind of fits the bill but really works and because everyone's been waiting for that moment right for such a long time what four or five months so it's been you know everyone's aching to hear loud music and i'm in this i'm in the night tales terrace and you know it's thumping loud music and playing all this music for like two hours and, and you know there's there's nothing really assuming unassuming coming through and then i play together again and and the start of the track goes there are times when i look above and the whole place went electric <laughs> and i've never never experienced anything like that with like house or oh dance music God. before and that like, people just like instantly jump out of the seats and it's like and i was just like right sit down i had to i was about to say <laughs> <laughs> i was like Sit down, sit down, sit You're down. Breaking the rules, social distancing. Exactly, but this is one of the killer things for me as well. It's like I'm employed to make people really happy and make people dance, but then mm. the DJ is the person that's telling you to stop dancing. And like I had to turn the music down, and like, and like guys, you have to actually sit down. So, but it was uh, it was beautiful. Like, and everybody still adhered to social distancing rules and everything. So. It really was the most epic moment. So, but yeah, to go back to like the festival side of things, that is a whole nother kettle of fish as well. Depending on the style of, of, of the place, like I, I remember I played Glastonbury and one of the most beautiful moments that kind of really, really is one of the best moments of my life is that I was I was just playing a bar. I always told myself and me and my mate Ryan, who we used to DJ together, if we're ever going to go to Glastonbury, I'm only going to go if I get booked. And thankfully I got booked and I was like... Had you not been before then? I'd never been before then, no. <laughs> so... um I had the privilege of playing at one of the bars, the Chameleon Bar, and um, it was just pop music and like indie rock and roll bangers, basically, and it's something that I absolutely love playing. And we had a power cut on the Saturday night, and the place was absolutely ramo, like proper ramo, and we had a power cut. So I was like, shit, what do, what do you do, obviously? And he just got this one guy and got on one of the picnic tables and just took his top off and just started swinging it around going, come on, come on, come on, baby now, come on, baby. You know, twist and shout by the Beatles. I got the whole crowd going with this, like, one fire exit dim light on. So it was like, shit, this is actually really, really kind of cool. <laughs> and everybody started singing, you know, twist and shout by the Beatles. 
And then the power came on. I was like, I've not played this song yet. So I played Twist and Shout by the Beatles. And <laughs> that was one of the mo- that is probably the most electrifying moment I've ever had in my life. People were sta- people were jumping off the bars, <laughs> like literally like trying to stage dive. Oh I've ne- honestly <laughs> never felt anything like it before in my life. I had people running over to me, people trying to pick me <laughs> up. And I was like, that is a moment in time that I'll never forget. And that is like, that night was amazing, but the, the power cut, made it better do you know what i mean yeah and that is a moment that it can probably never be replicated again in that sort of instance because of that one guy who started singing it and then yeah. i had the obviously like the intuition to kind of put that song on first and that's the kind of thing that only really happens at festivals as well and that's another classic example where i mean it stayed it's going to stay with me for the rest of my life but i get a feeling it's going to stay with them for the rest of their lives mm. as well i hope so because that's you know, it's it's such a beautiful moment. Definitely, so. definitely. I mean, I was there for that one. Not that one, but the Friday night I was there. And not just saying that because we're actually talking to you, but the night that we were in that tent, I remember, yeah. like, is one of my highlights from Glastonbury because everyone was just buzzing, like, in the best mood, just dancing, having yeah. a really good time. And it was so, like, unexpected as well. Like, you was just, you know, just in a bar. Like, it wasn't a... It wasn't a stage. It wasn't anything special. But you just walk past and you hear... Yeah. You hear these bangers played, you know, and you just, like, pop in and then you just... That's one of the most beautiful things about Glastonbury as well is that Glastonbury's got endless amounts of entertainment. So the fact all those people chose to spend that moment with me and with all those other people, again, makes it extra special, so... Would you say that that is... Glastonbury is one of your kind of career highlights from DJing, or if not... What is? <laughs> it's a good question. Um, I have thought about this quite a few times, and I, I mean, Glastonbury is obviously up there. Like, yeah. being able to play at the greatest festival in the world is such a huge achievement for me, and to be able to to do that and and to be you know paid for that as well, because a lot of people do that and they don't get paid. So that was a great great moment in time, and yeah, it's definitely one of my highlights. I mean, a lot of these different style events they all mean different things so like like one of the one of the best gigs i've played was was that monday one of the opening monday was the 12th of april that is one of my highlights of my life because i like we end up playing i was playing like you know we can be together again janet jackson is the whole like we are together again mm. and then i also played wait waiting for tonight by jennifer lopez <laughs> Because we've all been waiting for tonight. Do you know what I mean? I mean, like, but also it's a it's a it's a certified banger. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not making myself out to be a really cool DJ here, but I actually don't care. I really don't care whatsoever. You get the crowd so. going. It's fine. yeah, exactly. I'm a, I'm a party DJ. Like, there's a hundred percent, a hundred percent a party DJ. But yeah, so that was one. And then also at Night Tales again, when I uh, I got to play on my thirtieth birthday, supporting one of my favorite DJs, a guy called Ross and Friends. He's my favourite producer ever and he's absolutely incredible and that was just like a special moment as for me as well on my 30th birthday. So that's a pretty good highlight. Yeah, it's one that you'll remember. Yeah, I mean, and then uh, there's just like endless amounts. Like I've, I've DJed at the F1, uh, you know, in Silverstone for Force India for, for a party for them. I've also DJed at Millennium Stadium in Cardiff to to, to fifty thousand people as well. So like, what was that for? That was for the, this is so random as well. But this is uh, it was for a Speedway Grand Prix final. So you know the the bikes <laughs> that go round in circles and dirt. Yeah, yeah. It was my responsibility to to obviously DJ like in and around the events and the races. But I also had to trigger like the the winner's song when they cross the line. What was uh, the winner's song? Well, there was loads of different. <laughs> Janet Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish. 
<laughs> no, it's like Avicii and things like that. But it depends on it depends on the winner because each winner had a different song, uh, and it was like there's, so it's like twelve races a day. Oh, so I'd have deal to with the pressure. So I'd have to yeah. And the thing is, we did uh, I did a, uh, a synchronized DJ set to the fireworks display at the end as well. So that oh, was, wow. that, was that was pretty intense. That's insane. <laughs> Yeah, so you're like ready pretty... for the next New Year's Eve fireworks at London? Then you'll you'll be the absolutely one yeah. You'll be the one there, Janet Jackson. Before. Yeah, I mean I've still not been booked for New Year's <laughs> Eve in 2021. So if anybody wants to get in touch, give me a shout. Janet Jackson back to back, Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> we're hoping we're allowed out. Now, when we come on this podcast, we don't like to dwell on the uh, the old COVID because obviously it's been a crazy. And we started the podcast during COVID, and we were like, you know what, it's going to be a bit of a, a happiness boost for people that are kind of stuck at home and stuff like that and will remain positive. And recently, obviously, you would have definitely seen it in the news. They had like the first live gig in Liverpool as a trial. Yes. And just watching that, I'm like, I love live music. I love gigs. I love bands and stuff like that. I'm not really into DJs or anything like that. But just watching it, there was something euphoric about it. And I, I just wanted to be there. And I was just like, you could see that after everything that we've been deprived of and all the freedom and stuff like that and everything that we've lost, it was one of those things of I wouldn't have cared what was playing that night. And I know the DJs, they were all nervous because there would have been a mad rush. And I can imagine that you get that euphoria when you're kind of playing nights as well. And you kind of get the same buzz that the killers would get when they're kind of performing Mr. Brightside, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do, and I have always had a slight sense of imposter syndrome with DJing. I'm not a creative in terms of making my own music. I used to, but it's not really for me. Um, I can't really produce music as well as I ever wanted to, and I just don't really get the same love for it as I do with DJing. DJing, you get an instant reaction, like the same with a live gig, instant reaction to all of your favourite songs ever. And yeah, like you said, there's there's nothing that compares to the euphoria you get when you see a live band and when you see a DJ. But yeah, I do get that slight sense of imposter syndrome because they're other people's music and I'm just putting them in a synchronised order. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not syncing them. <laughs> it does, it takes skill though to, <laughs> the, the, to put the them order, in the right order the to like, so you know, get though. that build up and get that reaction and like, you know, yeah. otherwise you could just end up putting back-to-back completely random songs that don't work together do you know what i mean absolutely so, like, yeah give i yourself mean a bit of credit <laughs> i know i know yeah and i do i do give myself credit for it but i am very privileged to be in that position as well um to be able to be an entertainer essentially is what i am i'm, I'm providing some of the best times for people you know so um but it, again yeah it doesn't really compare to live gigs like feeling that real thud and hearing that guitar screech in your ear and seeing that person up on that stage sweating over their own creative uh, you know, their own creative work and practices that they've literally spent hours and hours and hours trying to perfect in order to perform it for you. And then for you to realise how good that is, you know, it's like it's, a, it's, own, it's own creative thing. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it. I'm literally lo- I'm losing my words. You're a very positive person, Danny. I love it. <laughs> I am, yeah. You are, you're, like, you're like Larry. You're DJ Larry over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, reckon, uh, yeah I reckon Larry is definitely a DJ. Like, there's... The... <laughs> It's like it's it's easy if you if you know what you're doing and then yeah you just 
you just, you just make everybody happy, so you've got to be happy all the time. So <laughs> absolutely. Well, you kind of you've kind of beat us to it there. I mean, the the how we like to discuss it and round it off is what kind of person do you think Larry is? So obviously he's the he is the happiest guy in the whole world. So he's going to be happy at a festival. Is he there to discover the new artists, to the headliners? Is he just kind of off his nut bouncing about, or is he like you, kind of <laughs> on the stage, or is he is he the bloke with his shirt off singing Twist and Shout? Who knows? It's up to you, Danny. Who is Larry? Oh, I reckon he's all three. Like, I mean, I've been I've been in a position where I've played a song and then I've jumped into the crowd with my shirt off. So, like, I reckon it's all all of those income. He's all of those encompassing people. Like, it doesn't really matter. I think he definitely into music mm. because music is the only I reckon the only true art form in the world where pretty much every single person in the world will like at least one piece of music. And that's one of the most beautiful things about music is that you can't really have the same with art. Yeah. There's not a lot of people that are into art. You know, theatre is its own its own thing as well. Cinema again, great. Too long in it, film. <laughs> Too long. <laughs> Three minutes. Let's go. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> film and TV and music, are like the two truest art forms, where everybody likes at least one thing about it. So, mm. so yeah, I reckon I reckon Larry's just into it all, and he's just it just makes him pure, gives him pure happiness, no matter where he is and what he does. And we are. It looks like, hopefully, fingers crossed, some festivals might return this year. Which ones do you think Larry would be at? Ooh, uh, all of them. Uh, <laughs> could he be at all of them? <laughs> uh, I don't really know. I'd like to think Larry has enough money to be Yeah, yeah, I'll give him a couple of AAAs. <laughs> like, it's absolutely fine. He can come and tag along with me and we can we'll go... We'll get him a guest pass for all yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, and then we can go back to back to close the show at 4am or something in a tent. So, yeah, I mean, like... Could we sat there eating KFC with you? <laughs> if you had to pick three... Three festivals, jeez. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm probably just going to pick the ones that I'm going to. So, like, um, I th- like maybe Wilderness Festival, which is amazing, but Field Day, 100%. Like, Field Day is, is the one. The lineup's incredible. I can't wait for that. Um, and then, I don't know, I mean, Reading and Leeds, I guess. I mean, that, I think it's pretty good. It's kind of a classic, a staple. But, yeah, I mean, if Larry's 16, 17, he's going to absolutely love it, so. <laughs> um, just on that, with the, you mentioned Field Day. So, that's like a what day festival. It you is, there's yeah. a difference in the vibe between kind of a, a full-on weekend one where you're camping and the day ones that we see like in London. That is a good question. Um, in other big cities. That is a really good question. Yeah, there's definitely a change of vibe because I feel like people go more hell for leather with a day festival because you've got to really make the most of it. Whereas like, you know, if you go in, if you go in like Glastonbury... Or, you know, or Reading Festival, you know, starts on Wednesdays now. Like, and you've got to be there till Monday. That's yeah. like, that's the majority of your week. That is a lot. And if you can sustain, if you can sustain that, like, intensity throughout all of that, then, then God bless you. And, you know, stay, stay safe and, you know, <laughs> keep at it. Like, you only live once and, you you know, you, like, I can't believe I actually just said YOLO. <laughs> But it's true. It actually, really, really makes sense. Like you do only want to make the most of it. Like I, I'm, I'm certainly a person that lives for the day rather than for the future. If that makes sense, because mm, I really, definitely. really, really want to enjoy what's on offer now and what what I can do whilst I can do it. If I'm sixty years old and I can yep. still do the things I truly love, yeah, obviously my taste will change in all sorts of different aspects. But if I can still do that, then amazing. But I want to try and make the most of you know my partying days now, like. I want to try and play as many gigs as possible now. I want to go to as many gigs as possible now. I want to stay up till 6am because I can. Like, I mean, I am starting to struggle a lot. Like, (laughs) 
over the past couple of years is starting to catch up on me. But um, but yeah, a hundred percent. Like I just want to make the most of most of the time that you got here. Absolutely, it's very, and it's very motivational, and it kind of puts us in a, a buzzing mood. And I can't wait for. I really like. A live go out. I can't yeah. wait. Me and Sarah, we send each other messages like, "Look at this festival. Do you want to go? Look who's there." All right, big big final question yes. for you. Larry, you're DJ in Glastonbury. Larry's dancing on the table. He comes up to you. He requests a song. What's he asking for? I mean, it's got to be Mr. Brightside. Got to be. <laughs> got to be. It's got to be. It's got to be Mr. Brightside because everyone asks for Mr. Brightside. If not, then it's Go Your Own Way by Fleetwood Mac because that is also oh, oh, a, a, a worldly Oh, machine. that is a banger. I think he is a Mr. Brightside kind of guy. Yeah, I think he might be as well. But that, that's fine. Is that your most requested song? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even on the nights Without where I'm not going to play anything with a guitar tone in it whatsoever. Like, it's a classic. It is a classic, and it's difficult for me to like. Why would I deny that person their right to have enjoy that moment? So, I am in charge, and there are times when I have been, you know, a little bit snooty about it because, like, I literally have played it so many times. It's like, surely you must be bored of this song now. Where were you half an surely hour ago not. when we played it? Yeah. <laughs> I reckon after COVID, you're going to get it even more. Yeah, probably. No one's heard it for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I know, right, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I saw Killers at Isla White Festival when I was DJing there. And uh, I didn't realise it was going to affect me as much as I did. That was the first time. And I, and I cried my eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I yeah, that was that was a moment for me as well. I was like, okay, I get it now. I actually truly, truly get it. I think so. we learned a lot about Larry. He's definitely a, definitely a big killer. Yeah. I can see him on someone's shoulder at a big festival going mad to Mr. Brightside. Swinging his top off. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it. Danny, thank you so much, man. That was really amazing. And I'm feeling very buzzed and ready to get back to a festival on that one. Thanks very much for having me, guys. It's been a genuine pleasure. It's nice to be able to talk about music in a positive way. And, uh, and yeah, you know, we can all look forward to something in the very near future. And we're going to have one of the best times of our lives. It's going to be the new summer of love, isn't it? Thanks for listening, guys. I'm Jack Frimston. I'm Sarah Tabar. And that was all about whether Larry is a disco lover. Now, as you can tell, life is slowly getting back to normal. And we started this project during lockdown to finally bring some happiness to the world. But we don't ever want it to end because the search for Larry is not over yet. But with commitment and life being so busy we have decided that we are going to be releasing an episode every month. So make sure to join us on the first Friday of next month where we'll be going back to school to discuss all things tuck shops to teachers. 